listening to Charge Podcast, episode 42, the IRL one, under the hood. Uh, Special <laughs> IRL edition. John and I are here together, live from Amsterdam. How are you? I'm good. I guess we can do the weather together in one place at the same time. It's overcast. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know. It's actually not bad. What were you doing here, John? King's Day. I learned that, Am- is it the- just Amsterdam that does this? All of the Netherlands. The whole Netherlands celebrates the birthday of the king whenever the king's birthday is. And if it's a new king with a different birthday, King's Day moves. It's pretty fun, right? It's no, kind of crazy. It's weird. What was weird about it? Uh, I feel like it's like prime circumstance for like people to get badly. In- I mean, it's just like crazy. Insane amount of drinking. So much drinking. So much canal. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people fall in. Trust me. Oh, really? All the time. Mm. Everybody's got at least one story of them falling in the canal on King's Day. Get out of here! I don't yet. Yeah, my boss has one. He uh, he fell in many years ago and got stuck at the bottom, and then got very very sick at the bottom of the canal. Yeah, for like a good thirty seconds because he was very intoxicated and couldn't get out. How deep are they? A couple of meters. But the problem is on King's Day, there's so many boats, so it's really hard to get back up. Yeah. Anyway, it was pretty fun. We just hung out and drank and walked around the city. We had the whole DigitalOcean founder crew with us. Yeah, it was pretty wild. It was quite intense. So that's what we've been doing, and now we're just hanging out. It's the weekend, so yeah. we thought we'd record in my bedroom since oh, John we had, um, did that. What? Our meetup last night. Oh, yeah. Two people came. It was cool. We only organized it like an hour beforehand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was really nice. Um, and let... Leandrin? How do you pronounce his name? Leandrin? Leandrin? Sorry, Leandrin. <laughs> Leander. Came from almost Germany. I know, crazy. All the way from the border Three to have beers with to us. come see us. Really cool. It was pretty nice. He wanted us to talk about media, but it's hard because the media industry is basically dead. We can talk about what we read really fast. What do you read? What websites? I read... And tech. And then normal. Bloomberg Tech. Yeah. Uh, news.google.com. Wow. Hacker News. And then we're in some pretty good slacks. People oh, yeah. post at least a couple of good worth reading news articles a day. How about you? I read Bloomberg. I still read The Verge because I kind of listen to some consumer tech. Hacker News. Then I don't really know where I get normal news from, like Twitter. What I usually go problem? to The Guardian. Twitter. Boo. Yeah. Well, I don't use it that much anymore. So, Did you see that New York Times interactive story the other day where you had to scroll for like a hundred hours? I to... heard about it. It was terrible. Oh, it was awful. What was the deal with it? What was it about? I don't I couldn't. I don't know. I I know only And it had like parallax as, and everything. Yeah. I landed on the page and started scrolling. Didn't look at any <laughs> words. Just scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. Man, you must have been able to scroll for like at least 50 days if you'd wanted to. Like there was so much scrolling. That's crazy. Worst New York Times internet interactive thing ever. So what did you do last night, John? I uh, So you were up late on LinkedIn. Yeah, it was super so, weird. I got a message this morning from John with like 30 LinkedIn links with no context. Yeah. Well, we were, <laughs> walking, we were walking back last night and I was thinking about... Um, Apple has passed comment on um, California's uh, uh, autonomous vehicle uh, stuff. Yeah, there was they they finally put their name in the hat, basically. And one of the things I always do to figure out what other companies are doing is look at the types of people that they're hiring. Right. Job postings are a very interesting way to know what a company's doing because they're always hiring for the future in theory. I was like, oh, I'm going to go on, when we get home, I'm going to go on careers.apple.com and find out if they're hiring any autonomous vehicle people. But I knew that they wouldn't be so blatant as to say it that way. So I searched all the job descriptions for the word laser. I, <laughs> Just laser, like LinkedIn laser. No, not LinkedIn, uh, careers.apple.com. Because I How many knew, laser jobs are there? Huh? How many laser jobs are there? A lot. Really? But they're all in Apple R&D special projects. Uh, so it doesn't say anything. Well, it does. You go read it and it's like, like, it'll be like, I can't remember. Really, I just wanted to, well, I wanted to, you can, 
you can see the types of things they want to build by the ways, by the type of experience that they're looking for. So if you search laser and then they're like, we're looking for our, cause like in theory, you don't have to come from the automotive industry or even the right. LIDAR industry. You could just come from the optics industry and know about lasers. Right. So I was like, so then in the description they would have like, Oh, um, experience with LIDAR or like <laughs> measuring or whatever. Right. Just casually. So then I took the job description and I presumed that someone else would, there must be other people at Apple who aren't just laser people. There must be other people if they have a division or some team, right? (laughs) So I searched the job description on LinkedIn. And then from there, I found the product manager that was responsible for all those people. And then I found all the people that worked for that product manager. So then I found the whole Apple autonomous vehicle car, uh, driving, self-driving team. Right, right. Potentially. Yeah, so there's like 50 links in Slack from people who work in the special projects on and worked at Tesla and Mitsubishi beforehand. Yeah, if you go look at where they all worked before, crazy. or you go read their descriptions and they're like, written 13 PhD papers on measuring vehicles in flight. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you're, you're like, like oh, oh yes. I wonder what they're doing at Apple. In the special projects division for three years. Yeah. Ex- they're almost all exactly two years and between two years and one month and two years and nine months. I love it. So that's how they, long they've been working on it for. So on the topic of self-driving cars, is Waymo Uber, Uber Waymo. There's multiple Uber stories today, but <laughs> what there was this there huge. There's when there's there not. There was this huge New York Times piece on Travis Kalanick. Is that how you say it? Kalan Kalanick, Kalanick. Uh, this week they published like this kind of behind the scenes story. They New York Times Mike Isaac over there. He's pretty killer. He's a very good reporter. We won't talk about his Twitter etiquette. Um, <laughs> he's he, uh, he he interviewed fifty uh, employees and previous employees. It's this crazy long piece about all sorts of things. But my favorite part of it, you, I you should go read it. Like, there's so many things in there. It's too much to talk about. But my favorite part is the links that Uber went to to hide from Apple what it was doing. It's insane. So at first, the story was published with this piece that made it look like uber was able to track iphones after you deleted the app but they updated it and actually what's happening is uber uses a method that's banned by apple called fingerprinting so they identify your phone so when you delete the app they know if you reinstall it on the same device that's not allowed as a privacy thing Mm -hmm. apparently tim cook like personally had him down for lunch and said he called him to apple hq and he punished him what was basically like you should stop that and apparently uh kalanak was visibly shaken by the uh, encounter. They said they they were threatened to remove them from the app store, basically. It's amazing that A, Apple let them get away with it, but they would decimate them overnight if they removed it, right? That would be that. Um, But it gets crazier. So that happened. And then um, what Uber was also doing was, so when you send an app to Apple, they... It goes through a review process. Somebody on an Apple actually looks at your code and they do all sorts of stuff to try and make sure your app's good. It's It's... Fairly intensive, but also not. It depends on who you get, I'd say. But at one point, they... What if you get Tim Cook? Yeah, well, then you're screwed because you're Uber. No, so what they were doing for over a year was they were running a... They had a geofence around Apple HQ in California that if anybody opened the app there, it would display differently and it would show a different code than anywhere else so that Apple didn't catch what they were doing. So it's actually crazy. what happens, apparently, I, I did a little poking around. Right. They send the code to Apple and Apple has a bunch of people that work at Cupertino that they don't actually look at the code. Right. They just run the app and then right, they click right. around they click and around make sure and see what's up. it does what it's supposed to do. And then later, if they have a problem, it gets flagged for review. Apparently, it's very infrequent that it actually goes for a Yeah, yeah. It's, it tends to be like newer apps, apps that are pretty big that rate fundraise will get reviewed first. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. So what um, Uber was doing was saying, if the request for our test app comes mm. from Cupertino, Cal- uh, California, yeah. redirect it to this app that doesn't have this feature in it. Right, right. And so they were basically fooling them. I mean... Let's be clear about this. This is a technique that has been used many times previously. A lot of apps use it. You remember in the US, I don't know if it's still the thing, but tethering has always been a contentious thing in the US. Like you weren't always able to turn on tethering unless you paid for it, something like this. I remember a number of years ago, a lot of apps would hide uh, like a 
tethering feature inside them. So you download like Image Gallery Pro and in the like buried in the settings menu, there'd be an option to enable tethering without like being allowed and they'd sneak it through with the same method. So it's nothing new, but it's kind of crazy that Uber was doing it. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Why is that crazy? Look at all the other things they've done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not surprising. But the other thing that people were upset about is this Unroll.me thing. So Unroll.me is a service. That's funny for a couple of reasons. Yeah, Unroll.me is a service you connect to your, what, your email inbox. And it basically scans your entire inbox for the word unsubscribe. By the way, just manually make a filter in Gmail. That's what I did. But anyway, <laughs> it scans your email inbox for unsubscribe. It gives you like a list of all the newsletters you're on and gives you a one-click unsubscribe button. Kind but of doesn't nice. doesn't Gmail have Yeah, it basically has that now. Like it's built in, but it kind of makes it easy to do it in one go. Anyway. Unroll.me. Yeah, unroll.me. So they basically use the unsubscription link in the email to show you that every, everything that you're subscribed to, yeah. and then you have a little click. And they give you a one-click unsubscribe. But what was Good happening idea, behind but... the scenes is Unrolled at Me got sold a few years ago. It's always been a free service, so it's like a little bit mysterious what it does. But, you know, when you sign up for a free service, you kind of assume they're selling your data. Like, it's it's a given. Um, but in this case, so... It's Unrolled... not a given. It is almost certainly yeah. the case. Unrolled up me sold to a company yeah, a called Slice Intelligence, which basically is a data crunching company that sells that inbox data in aggregate to other companies. And so in this piece by the New York Times, it was revealed that Uber was buying that inbox data anonymized from Unrolled.me and looking for receipts from Lyft to see if they could correlate who had left Uber and started using Lyft instead. All sorts of crazy shit like this. And people have been going bananas who was about using it. Both? What's that? They were co- tying the customers together. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So they were doing it, it for a lot of both. different reasons. Uh, it was anonymous data, but I think I think there's, two, there's a few things here. So people are freaking out, deleting their Unroll at Me accounts. The CEO like basically wrote a blog post saying, duh, no shit, we sold your data. How do you think it was free? And everybody's angry because he didn't. it was like an apology without an apology. But so John and I already talked about this a little bit, but it's not shocking. I think we all know to an extent that our data is sold. But the thing is, especially in the industry, a lot of us deal with this stuff every day, but we don't ever really see an action. Consumers don't really see where the data is going. You never see like, oh, well, it got sold to X. You never see it got sold to Y. You know, I, I work in this industry, so maybe I've bought that kind of data before, but it's not normal for normal people, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, and people, will, of course, in their mind, they're like, Uber is gross. So uh, now, I'm, yeah, it's it's not really fair. It is going on everywhere else, but that doesn't mean it's okay. It wasn't clear. It was in their terms and conditions, and that's what they keep saying. But who reads those? Do you read those? Mm, No, I don't ever bother because I generally have that same baseline premise that you do that it's... You know. I mean, I think the thing that people should also realize or think about is that anonymous data is stays anonymous... Until it's identified. Until, well, until usually it's taken into a large amount of aggregate. Yeah, it's very easy to you can identify de- that. Yeah, you can de-anonymize data pretty easily. Yeah, it's really easy. That's why Uber needs stuff like your phone uh, MAC address and contacts and all that kind of thing, because that's how they correlate that data. You have to have other data points, and then you can figure out who it is. That's why I clear my cookies. Yeah, there's that crazy project by the EFF where if you go to their website and it tells, it gives you a rating of how unique your browser is, and basically no matter what you do, it'll be able to identify you. Yeah. Based on your cookies and your browser settings and even like your battery level, it's crazy. You would be pretty amazed at the pattern that can be surmised from a large amount of um, of anonymous data that can be then used to build right. a picture of what that who or what that person is. It's just is. like a puzzle, right? And eventually you can just get it down back to being um, personally identifiable again. For better or for worse, it is what is going on. It's reality. If you don't think that's true, you're kidding yourself. And if you don't like it, then you should start... You should start stop using. You should start stop using social networks. You should stop using social networks and stuff like that. Right. And run your own email. Don't run your own email. Don't. Oh God, I did Ever. that once. It's Don't horrible. Run your own email. Take that back. But it, you'll lose so many emails. <laughs> I've done it. Okay, back to self-driving cars. Actually, <laughs> so Waymo. I think this is your favorite thing ever. I spent four hours. What? Doing what? 
reading the transcripts from the Waymo cases. Oh, okay. What did you learn this week? Oh my goodness. What's happened? A lot of things actually this week. It's really fascinating. So, uh, obviously it's act, it's like impossible to know the real facts. So I'm just right. going to give you my fake facts and alternative <laughs> fake facts news. and fake news. I'll try and correct version. you if I hear it wrong. Well, I think it's probably right. It's just, it's my idea of what, what's going, going on. on. Right. So it seems like, so for those of you that don't know, uh, there was an engineer who worked at Google who worked on Google's self-driving car stuff. Anthony Lewandowski. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got it right. And he was like, he's been basically working on autonomous stuff for his whole like career. He's clearly a really, really smart guy, like super, super smart. Um, definitely like also knows how to play the money game. Mm-hmm. Dude, personal net worth is like a couple hundred million dollars at this point. Um, and so it sounds so like backstory, just a little more kind of on his criteria or like on his character. It sounds like he's done a really good job through his whole career of starting side project companies, doing the exact same thing that he was doing at a previous company. No, at the same time. (laughs) Oh, right. So he would like go basically at home and like work on his ideas, go to the office next day and like work on this, make them Google ideas, but also then have a version that he had done at home that he then, tweaked and made x so you basically have one idea that he rehashed yeah so that he was hedging the whole time he was like i'm gonna have my version of this and the company i'm working for who's funding it (laughs) (laughs) so which is like a really lame thing to do right and he's like he worked on the maps team back in the day and stuff like that like he's been around the google world for a long time so he so, like, self-driving car technology is basically a bunch of sensors, some of them light, some of them imaging, some of them, like, laser lasers and stuff like that. Yeah. And they, like, bounce shit all over out into the world, and then all that stuff bounces back into the car, and then the car absorbs all of that data, and then it builds an image of what's going on outside of the car, and that's that. Now, because you're dealing with optics placement is incredibly important in fact it's probably one of the most important aspects of optics because the way that you place things is the way that light bends and bounces and stuff like that obviously and so there's actually very little secret sauce in this whole stuff like around autonomous and lidar outside of like lasers are pretty expensive and like the lasers that they need to use Mm -hmm. are really expensive but the price is dropping a lot hugely fast like, like Waymo did a 50% or 60% cut last year alone. Yeah, really, really quick. Um, but the placement on the vehicles is actually also something you can patent. Oh, just where it sits on there. Where it sits on the vehicle, oh. where the laser is. So whoever has it in the mouse. middle at the top, I think Waymo. So what he really was taking was right. the placements of all the mirrors, his, oh. his, his algebra, his math, his geometry, whatever, right? Um, and the algorithms that corresponded to sure, the placement sure. of that. And then coupling it all together with the technology. So he was working at Google and then left and started. Otto, the self-driving truck company. Right. Which Mm -hmm. then? Which was on the side during his time at Google as well. And then Uber acquired Otto. And now they have self-driving Uber Freight for hundreds of millions. 200 million? How much was it? I forgot. Him and six guys made like bank cash cash and now he's at uber doing leading that was leading their self-driving division until this week so basically waymo was like f this shit and well they got cc'd on that schematic of theirs by accident by one of the manufacturers that they both use yeah and it was the same which by the way so the one thing that this guy is really good at anthony whatever his name is like a blah 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 is really smart at thinking about vertical integration. Right. He actually started a laser company that got acquired by another laser company that then what? renamed itself. Oh. That then is now like he owns like a lot like a lot of shares in. Wow. And is also the main laser company that supplies the lasers to the <laughs> to these. Totally not shady at all. No. And like he also like deliberately knows when to go like change the names of the companies and stuff. Oh like, my god. It's pretty intense when you go look at how psychopathic it all is like how well thought out and planned right right 
So what did he do this week? Well, what what did he do? So then he left. So then Waymo was basically like, "Oh, so he downloaded apparently <laughs> a lot of files, fourteen thousand, I think it was, Oof. or one hundred forty off, of, 000. off like a just like a Windows file server, then, or like something. wiped his drive, yeah. and like oh, just like." And that's the allegation. Baseline, not even covering your tracks very well. Yeah, using a computer from work and like deleting everything afterwards, then using it again. Like if you're if you have two hundred million dollars cash, throw the computer in the garbage and buy walk an down to Best one. Buy and buy a new one. Yeah. Why bother? Like you can tell if a, dr- a drive's been erased, so buy yeah. a new computer. Yeah, or at least just take and out then the drive. put a backup on top, back onto yeah. it from like the month before you did the stupid shit. I don't get that part. He's an idiot. He's not as good a planner as me. Anyway. <laughs> you thought out what you would do. Humble. Anyway. Uh, so he, so then basically Waymo was like, okay, well, we now have some pretty good amount of evidence to know that you're basically copying exactly the things that we're doing because of this vendor email mishap. So they've filed an injunction to prevent Uber from using their um, self-driving car technology in... Waymo self-driving car technology in Uber's car, asking for an injunction and like a whole bunch of things. So I read all the stuff. <laughs> I, re- I read all of the uh, transcripts. Yeah, it's fascinating. So he's pled the fifth because if, so this is a civil um, like trademark and like, copyright like patent infringement sort of case right so it's a civil like sort of business litigation case right he is concerned that if he is required to testify in this civil case he will um, reveal that he was criminally responsible for theft of company property and therefore has pled the fifth and then the whole case Goes to shit for yeah. Uber. Right. Because then the judge is like, you can't. Well, yeah, he said he can't plead the fifth anymore, right? Which is really like, I think the fifth amendment is literally pre- set up to protect exactly what he's using it for. So it seems like a really good use of the fifth well, amendment. No, but they said the fifth doesn't extend to his company selling to another company. Well, he's he can, if he goes on the stand in front of a judge, he can plead the fifth. He does not have to. Right, but that's not, that American doesn't cover email Constitution docs. does not require him to say anything. And he doesn't also have to cooperate with the investigation. They, Uber cannot, like, force him to hand over anything on his personal, like, they're suing the company, not him. But the judge said, if he pleads the fifth, I'm going to presume you're guilty. Yeah, and so they said that they have to present all the documents leading to and after the sale of Otto now, because those aren't covered by the Fifth Amendment. They even have emails from the lawyers um, oh. saying, preparing for the fact that Waymo will sue them as a result of the acquisition. Oh, dear. So they, he expected it. It doesn't look good for Uber, but we played Connect the Dots in the charge tech Slack the other day. <laughs> yeah. And I have come to the conclusion that I think... There's a possibility that Uber is in really, really amazing shape. Well, I mean, there's no way they lose this, right? Like, this isn't something no, that... No, they're going to lose this. No, I mean, sorry. I mean, just in general, there's no way they just die out of nowhere. Right. That's not a thing. So, the, the Connect the Dots game that we played, do you remember it? Dot one was the largest investor in Uber. At Saudi Arabia. At, how much was it? A billion dollars. Some crazy amount of money. And yeah. it's the same country that wants to make flying cars a thing. Because well, they've can purchased thing. flying cars and, and a company. Dubai is committed to running air taxis, personal like HOV air taxi drone things that they're buying from a Chinese manufacturer this and summer. And now Uber wants to do self-driving flying cars by 2020 in, in Dubai and the, and US. the US. And Saudi Arabia is the investor. Crazy. So if Uber brings autonomous you know, like five five dollar a ride, like in it's, Manhattan. Well, they say it'll be the same price, right? That's the thing, right? Sure. So, well, okay. The biggest <laughs> question is: Is flying easier? Yes, easier than roads. A million times easier. Why is that? Well, other than like the landing part's not so easy. <laughs> other than um, what well, you do, you have to do roofs. 
Yeah, right. Otherwise, it's too much stuff. And you stuff. have to have designated spots. It's not like they can, like, land anywhere. Although, in theory, they're small enough that you could, like, if they got really safe, you could have, like, they could land on the side of the street. Yeah, like a little zone that's zone, painted or yeah. something for landing. Yeah, or, you're yeah, not allowed to get out there. I don't think it's there. that difficult. The hard part is, so, the hardest part is making a flying fucking car. Well, Larry Page just announced that one this Yeah, that's week. cool. But this is really different. Like this, I don't know if you've seen this thing. It's I can't remember. I can't remember what it's called. But it's like, yeah, it just looks like a little like smart car that's been converted into like right. a drone. Yeah, that's all it is with a little little like person bit. Yeah, and with so, a lot of tiny rotors. The thing that I realized that's amazing about Uber's technology is actually how resilient it is. So if you want to provide a autonomous citywide government like government like provided autonomous on demand air transit network <laughs> yeah, for right. your for your country or your city sure you have to have a really good sla on that right like you have to be able to provide 9.9999999999% like well they're just the platform that's all they're building right and so how many rides does uber do it like when does uber go down never they Ever. have a pretty damn it's interesting. Really, you don't actually really hear them talking at, about that, do you? They don't talk about their architecture oh, much. Oh, they do. You'll read their engineering blog. They have oh, some great is architecture. It good? Oh, it's great. Uh, AWS, right? Uh, yeah, it's a no, yeah, and also like, so the cool thing about the Uber app is the way that it reconciles things when it right. loses connections. Oh, how so? Well, you, you could like start an Uber ride and then your phone could die. Yeah, sure. But it will still come. Yeah, and like it, and like both phones could die. And actually, in fact... Oh. I'm pretty sure someone who works at Uber, who works in infrastructure, don't quote me on this, but I think they said like the whole Uber centralized component could go out. And it would still work. And Uber would still work. Well, that would make sense if they're using a proper micro architecture. They are doing like more like of a everything, If everything kind of is microservices and it's all separate, it wouldn't matter if the main database was gone. I think they called it like an Onion app, which I'd never heard of oh. before. Well, I'll, we'll try and find this and link to it if we can. So anyway, if you basically, it's pretty easy to go to Dubai and say, look, we can provide the app, we can provide the infrastructure, we can provide like the whole thing, we can do all of the logistics. Like you think about it, that all they actually, need to do is add the Z axis. It's like a hard act. It is up actually. They've actually solved a pretty hard problem. Oh, it's incredible. The only thing they don't own still weirdly is like mapping. Didn't well, they acquire some very mapping? Hard. They acquired a mapping company from somebody. I think it was Big Map. So if you think about it, if my long-term goal was to start a autonomous air taxi thing, right? Like that was actually what I was gunning for. And I went and raised, I don't know, $20 billion. You have to have an engine of cash, regardless of its profitability, to at least sustain, like you want to have an engine, right? Like maybe just to cover your, like when I think about how we did things at DO, like oh, we were right. even they did close buy to Big that. Maps. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Carry on. At DO. We didn't like, obviously weren't close to that scale, right. but we didn't run profitably, but we didn't run profitably on purpose because we mm-hmm. were reinvesting everything back into R&D and like scaling and building out the future of the products that we were doing but uber's problem is that it's the human cost that they can't right exactly so that's my point right we had a hundred million dollars revenue so we could take 50 million dollars six uh we could take 120 million dollars of that and pour it into people right of that whole like go into basically 20 million dollars a year even more than our revenue into debt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because we were a venture funded startup right but we didn't like we we weren't even burning half of our cat like any of our cash because we had this big engine of liquidity that was coming in that we had cash flow that was right uber that has was, that too a lot of cash flow they have tons of cash flow but they're burning something like 1.6 billion dollars every half a year though i mean they'll run out eventually they have to cut costs they'll run but if, let's let they want to do this thing by 2020 yeah let's say by 2025 they got rid of all the drivers they get rid of all the drivers is that as realistic as we think though yes i don't think so i'm not sure okay not all the drivers maybe but half they can four. start transitioning it over right but it's all a game of can they be 
in a position where they're making enough money by the time the technology is ready, right? Like it's all down to timing. Well, the here. technology's there. You can literally buy these. China has these drone car things. Yes, yeah, they're right. real. I've seen, I like literally. There's regulation then at that point. Yeah, and that's easy. <laughs> For Uber, because they don't care. Well, and also actually, <laughs> American regulators are getting pretty um, good. Like the FAA is pretty good about thinking about drones properly and stuff like that. So, okay, I have another topic on this topic of cars really quick. I totally want to pivot. The Boring Company <laughs> released a video this week. Oh my goodness. Elon Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah, he is, he is another company. We talked about Neuralink last week, right? I think we did. And now he has this boring company where he wants to build tunnels and they released this video. You should go and watch it and then come back. Basically, what happens in it? Like, basically they're saying, oh, well, if you own a Tesla or some like nice car, you can drive onto a pad on the street in the traffic and it takes you under the road into a tunnel on a little special train and then the streets become last train. Mile. Yeah, and so if you're like privileged enough, you can go on this little self-driving train to get there faster, basically. So imagine that you basically drive your car. It's like the channel tunnel, the channel tunnel, the channel tunnel but to everywhere. France. Yeah, but everywhere. So you drive your car into this platform and then you go into a tunnel and then it drives you there. Okay, so the question is 200 miles an hour. Does building tunnels everywhere scale? Yes. Why? Really? Why can't cities do it right right now? Because it costs so much to build a tunnel right now. So you know why? Because boring machines technology is terrible. I went and looked at this. I spent okay. two hours on this one. I've seen these things, like Big Bertha, the one in Seattle. So I went and looked at how these things are constructed and like put together. They're huge. And they're terrible. They, they take like 10 years to build, right? And they're not like, they're not using any technology. No, it's just a big gear. And so if you take all of, like if you take a combination of like three of the parts from Solar City, two of the parts from Tesla, and six of the parts from SpaceX, you've got a boring machine. A really, really sick, high-speed, low... Like, the the main thing, the reason that boring machines don't... Um, there's two things. It's hard to get the... They're slow. Yep. Really, really slow. Takes forever. The Seattle thing took 10 years to build, right? And it's hard to get the um, sediment and the, and the stuff that they like have chipped away out of the tunnel. Yeah, you've got to put that somewhere. Those are the two problems you have to solve. If you can solve those problems, get the stuff out really fast and like put it somewhere. So you're basically saying they need to make a boring machine that just keeps going. Well, yeah. Because that's how it works, right? Usually they make a custom boring machine that goes like 20 kilometers. Correct. And then at the end of it, they dismantle it. That's it. But you're saying if they could just leave it in the tunnel and keep building the tunnel forever to an extent, it would be better. So, like, I think one of the things that we, I've been, I've, I went and read about these machines, like I said, one of the things about getting the dirt out is it's done very crappily today. Like, they go on a conveyor belt, the conveyor yeah, belt's slow, they, like, shovel it off, sort of. Well, one of the things that, like, Hyperloop and SpaceX has a lot of is su- fans and, like, sucking and stuff like that. So, I'm sure so you could, like, suck it blow out. or suck or something like that, or, like, pressurize the... In a vacuum I mean, tube? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. For dirt, but okay. Is so Elon Musk machines, full of shit? He's though? basically no. He's building. How, yeah, can, like, how can he do this? Because you think, right? Like he's just applying the most modern technology he has to something that was really boring. <laughs> really boring. That was built in. That was like takes however long to build and was is using the same design pattern that's been used for the last however long we've been building boring machines for. I actually see this working better with the Hyperloop idea than cars themselves. Well, like, I think he said that too. You know, like if he could bury Hyperloop, I think it's a far more interesting proposition than on the ground. Because it's really hard to build a vacuum tube that's safe in yeah, the environment so above the ground. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you... And the other You'd thing have you, massive accidents all the time. The other thing is why do you want to put people like... I think the idea of doing it as a train was kind of the wrong idea. It should just be little pods. It should be, well, you drive into it. Yeah, it should be more like a... T- a yeah, like you a, just go in there with your car and it has a little thing and like you just go... Whoosh, and you and put your windows your up. <laughs> well, and if I, you know, I've seen some of the car designs for the cars in like 2020, 2025. Right. They're just living rooms. But well, if you look at the, even if you look at Tesla, they have that one that's got, got the bioweapon mode. That's like a fully vacuum proof Tesla. What? Have you seen that? Google no. bioweapon Tesla. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to. It literally can survive a chemical attack. It's an optional extra. So Elon Musk has also hired a team of people that know a lot about the brain. I did see that. A lot of chemical engineers. So he has this new thing, Neuralink, and he wants to... First thing they want to do is solve like some basic brain 
um, like helping people who can't like um, neuromotor function stuff. So like helping people right, like, right. walk and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that was the first goal because that was the biggest question around Neuralink is that there was all this mystery. And there was that big blog post by Wait But Why talking it's about that. all about the MVPs. Oh, I don't know what Wait But Why is. Wait But Why is a good explainer blog that draws with little terrible cartoons, but they he has a relationship with Elon Musk and he always writes about his big stuff. It's quite kind of cool. Anyway, yes. That, so the, I think the original hype around Neuralink went a little too far because he left it so open to the imagination, but he basically said the first step is helping people enhance their brains if they've got disabilities or learning problems and that kind of thing. Have we talked since I went to that weird invite-only... Um, in San Francisco? Car, car thing in San Francisco. Well, there was that brain thing. No. you yeah, said I don't, I don't think I talked about it on the podcast, did I? Oh, no. You went to an invite-only car thing. Yeah, I got invited to this weird, like one day 30 person like symposium on autonomous vehicles and the future of the transit industry holy cow and well they had a bunch of startups demo some who, tech who ran it uh you wouldn't i mean it's uh he's like a lawyer oh it's like a private 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 thing yeah a company it's just a guy that has is rich and knows like <laughs> so he like hosts this thing for them He's like a lawyer. He's like an inter like because the see like very senior people from a bunch of automotive companies go. So it's but it's pretty neutral, right? Anyway, a bunch of startups were showing their tech there, and one of the things was a guy who has basically um, an ECG that goes into the headrest of the vehicle. So they actually showed it there, and like, did I talk about this last week? No, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Okay. So just literally a regular headrest on a car. So you just put your head against it. That's it. No, yeah. like, weird head No, nope, nothing weird. Just, like, a right. regular size, regular looking. And inside, there's a, a like, a, a cone, like, dish thing, like a dish receiver. And it's detecting the electricity off your brain. Super sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then it... Um, can find like the theta band, like it finds all the different bands of the brain. And then it like has an algorithm that can like read what basically what your brain's sort of doing. <laughs> so, so, it, okay. So, Interesting. so they, exp- but while you're driving, whoa, or just whenever, in the car, whenever, like you could just, just reading your brain basically. So it likes, imagine it sits about like, Oh, well, it's, in, it's in front of your head. No, it's in the headrest. So you're putting your head back into it, like when you're driving. Right. Okay. Right. Or it, it doesn't matter. You can just drive normally. Okay. So the the demo that they gave was they had a screen, and the guy was sitting in the um, armchair, and on the armchair they had just like strapped the head, the car like car seat headrest thing to it, and so then they play a video. It's like a custom app that they've built to demo this. It's like a Java app. So they play a video of uh, like a uh, first person perspective of being in a car, driving around sure, the, yeah. in the hills. And so the person sitting in the seat is told to concentrate as hard as they can on like as if they were on if they were driving, basically. Oh, wow. So just pretend you're driving and like think about you're driving this car. On the right hand side, there's a almost like a. Um, um, the the volume yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. peaking thing, mm-hmm. you like know, a spectrograph how it goes, kind of yeah, thing. it goes from green up to red if it peaking, and that shows you the concentration level. Right. And it, so then the guy's sitting there, and they like push play on the simulator, and so he's like watching, 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 and then the guy who's like startup it is shouts, "Hey!" and he like turns like just, he doesn't he doesn't really like move, but but like in fact he hasn't moved. He just started <laughs> to shout, "Hey!" Yeah. And the app goes like, driver has lost concentration. Whoa. So, so basically like, it forces them. Yeah. So the, the car manufacturers are going to use them for like, if people are falling asleep, it'll vibrate like the wheel or, or like vibrate the seat and stuff like that to wake you Whoa, up. Oh, so like, it makes you forced to focus to avoid accidents. Well, yeah. And it can That's also an interesting sort of tell step. what you're focusing on to a degree. Wow. So it's an interesting step away from like letting humans just operate giant death machines without any checks. Basically, like it, it's forcing you to pay attention. These are not I optional, mean, it's an right? CG and a headrest. It's amazing. They, but these things have to be like required. They right? should be required in cars because if they don't require it, you'll just buy the car that doesn't have it. Should it. be like a seatbelt. Yeah. It's like if you're not focusing, you don't get to drive. Another cool one was this company that does um, uh, 
they put speakers all over the inside of the car. Right. And then they, it's called like audio metrics or something like that. And then they like measure the volume that you play music at and like the types of music that you listen to and stuff like that. And then they sell that to like advertisers. And stuff. Oh, come on. <laughs> Everything is ad tech, man. Everything's well, cars are going to become it. as a service. And so everyone. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, well, you haven't watched Black Mirror, but it's basically like, I imagine these new cars, it's just going to be like, please watch an ad to continue driving. Yeah, why not? Five, four. And if you don't watch it, the car pulls over. Like everything's free, but you have to watch ads. Corporations run cities. Oh, I feel so gross. It's coming. I don't want to watch ads to drive somewhere. It's coming. Ugh. Okay, John, we have to talk about one more big thing. Two more big things that aren't car related. This is the car episode. Or Elon Musk related. Or, oh, God, Elon Musk. Elon Musk is like the fodder of tech journalism right now. It's terrible. Did you read about the juicer? Oh, my God. I didn't even put juicero in here. Holy shit. Do it. Go. Okay. Have we ever talked about Juicero? No. No. Okay. Juicero. Long troll. Holy shit. It's like the longest troll ever. So basically this popped up a year ago and this guy, he was like, he, I quote, I am the Steve Jobs of juice was his introducing line <laughs> to his company. From LA. From LA. Wealthy. Crazy, wealthy, man. hippie dude who basically said he wanted to bring juice to the masses. All it will cost is $700 for a Wi-Fi juicer. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful juicer. Uh, that, that juices stuff for you. It does a juice, actually. Well, it doesn't. I mean, let's get to that. So anyway, after... It was never it, supposed to juice. Anyway, okay. So when the first story dropped, everyone was like, it's a $700 juicer. What the fuck? And basically, in between the six months, it was like a pre-order program, like all good scams. Um, and uh, they uh, they initially, then they changed it and they were like, oh, well, it's actually only $400 now because there's a subscription service that goes with it. So you can only load... It's like a Kruger or whatever they're yeah, called. Yeah, so like you, it's like those Krugers or like Nespresso, and you pay a subscription per week. You can't just buy the packs; you have to have the subscription. Uh, and they come to your house, and it's basically like a bag of eight bucks mush. Per. Yeah, eight bucks per juice thing. It's a bag of mush, and all the machine does is it scans a barcode on the back of this thing. You put it in, it squishes juice out. They claim there's ju- there's like fruit and stuff in there, but it's actually like pre-stuffed. I mean, it's all like to a blended. It's yeah, to a degree, and so. Anyway, so you have to pay all this money for this thing. And he's like, I want to bring juice to the masses, rah, rah, rah. And they were going on this week. Who are the masses that can afford? Who can, I, I, well, they masses wrote, they, are they, these? He wrote this like heartfelt half of thing the about his vision. He wanted like the single dad who's on the go to get the juice machine for his kids and oh, put so the, like $8 juices in there. Um, it's a whole crazy thing. What happened actually this week to reflare it up? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> what happened was... Juicero started delivering and the service started spinning up. Yeah. And Bloomberg published this piece that its investors had found out that the bags of juice can just be squished with your hands. Like all the juice machine does is it's a huge like 65 pounds of even pressure. Yeah. It's just like a huge press. All it does is squish the bag. And the investors found out that you can get the same effect, 90% of the same effect by just squishing the bag with two hands. And so all these investors are upset. It's a whole thing. And Juicero went on the defensive. They were saying like, oh, well, you know. The best part about the Juicero is we can guarantee supply chain effectiveness. So if your bag is out of date or recalled, we can remotely disable it. And you're like, what? You can remotely disable fruit? So you're like a DRM fruit machine? It's so a couple insane. Of First and foremost, everyone after this, because it's like the typical archetypal example of Silicon Valley, like wankery. Right, exactly. But to be fair... I went and read the hardware teardown of the juicer. Oh, God. It it's, is actually literally a $400 juicer. Oh, no, it is. It's, it's like a hardware, beautiful piece of a It's hardware machine. design that you would see Custom on the level designed. of the Mac Pro. Like, it's absurd. But they made their own machi- they made their own machinery to make their own juicer. It's insane. But, like, the blog post, you're like, oh, wow, okay, it's so totally worth the money. But the guy made a good point. The guy who did a teardown basically said... This is what happens when you have unconstrained development. They had $160 million in funding. They didn't give a shit about what they were developing. They never did any market research. They just had all the money in the world to build the best user, right? Like it's, that's what happens when all projects should have constraints, right? Every, every hardware project should have like a box it fits in, a cost. The guy built himself a juicer. Yes, he built himself an internet connected juicer. My favorite thing is it doesn't work without the internet. Yeah, it doesn't. It won't actually press juice. The app won't let you press the juice without in the case internet. the spinach has gone off. Yeah, in case it's been recalled. 
It's absurd. It's, it's I, I don't know why they can send you a text message. So, yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing about this whole thing is all these VCs in Silicon Valley saying how, oh, you just don't understand yet. You don't understand how it could be the next big thing. But the thing is... Bigger than mayonnaise, they said. Well, bigger than mayonnaise, yeah. Or bigger than... They were like, yeah, it could be bigger than Nespresso. But the thing with Nespresso is it adds value. Like the Nespresso, the coffee... The only reason the coffee is good like that, like it's only a pod and it heats it to the right temperature. It does like a whole method. It extracts it in a certain way because the machine knows which pods in there. This juice thing is just pushing. It's just going with the juice. It's nothing special. Okay. There's two other topics we have to talk about. One, net neutrality, your favorite topic. The US is going to repeal Title II. Do you remember what Title II actually is? Mm -mm. Okay. Well, it was probably early in the Obama administration. It started coming out that companies like Comcast and- uh, Last mile, right? No, it's the First one where one. basically companies like Netflix were paying Comcast to guarantee that their traffic was coming through. Comcast, like under the table, started slowing down or deprioritizing traffic that was heavier on the network, right? And Netflix and YouTube at one point, I remember, it was completely unusable because Comcast would deprioritize them. It would buffer all the time. It was horrible. And they would have to pay to get it back. And so Netflix was paying millions of dollars to Comcast. And To then- be fair... If you were DigitalOcean and Comcast was your ISP and Netflix launched a new show and you were trying to deliver packets to yeah, that Yeah, but that's time. their job. That's their job. You can't say that, like, you can't, you can't blame them for being that successful. Like, that is, your job is to be the dumb pipe and have a big enough dumb pipe, right? But that's not how the, well, that's that not how, traditionally how it's not how it's worked. But it's like, if you're getting congestion, you switch, that's why you have redundancy on your yeah, but like, you should have enough pipes. Anyway. Talia, Comcat, like, I think we had four, and we could switch through them in, like, a, a millisecond. Right, but the problem the problem is this. So the Title II law basically made it that they couldn't charge them to do that because the biggest issue was if you were a, a video streaming startup or a startup, maybe you were a machine learning startup, you need to send a lot of data somewhere, right? You wouldn't have the money to get your pr- traffic prioritized across the internet, so you wouldn't even be able to get into business. So if you wanted to be a startup YouTube or a startup whatever you wouldn't be able to even get into the game because you have to have enough money to pay the fee to get across the network. Wasn't it more that like they were giving preferential treatment to their subscribers? No, it was companies had to pay. Anyway, but Title II is mostly focused on not giving preferential treatment to, like if AT&T had a Netflix competitor, it couldn't give, uh, it couldn't deliver the packets faster to the, it might be coming back because Trump's administration is repealing it next month. Personally, I don't have a problem with it. You don't have a problem with it. I uh, think it kills competition. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if if as a as an AT and T customer, I feel like if I could look. The thing is, you got to remember, and like it or not, for better or for worse, this is just reality. The ISPs. Again, for better or for worse, and a lot of people will just say they like dug their grave and then lay in it, but they just became dumb pipes. Yeah, they did and it so to themselves. One way that they can Except start AOL, which is trying to undo, undo that. But then Netflix should go become an ISP and run its own. Well, they're going to have to. But I mean, Google has this exact same problem. Google tried to become an ISP because it has this problem and it was too hard. So the ISPs are fucked and the companies that well, want to be yeah, an ISP exactly. are fucked. Exactly. So shouldn't that say something? Like hardware is like. Th- th- what the ISPs did is amazing. And then they killed themselves by being too successful. Well, because they had, they, it's like, it's like you build the first railroad that goes right. from one end of US to the other. And, and then, then you, you let everybody put the else first use train it. on it. Well, and you have a fairly decent service. Who's then going to go compete with you? Because you'd have to go build another railroad and put it next door. The crazy thing about this is, the bigger you are, the more you get hurt by this. And it goes right at both ends of the spectrum. Like Amazon would have to pay to interconnect with Comcast if this came back. Netflix would have to pay. All of these different companies would have to pay. So it then becomes a question of how do you keep it fair? There's no there's no way to keep it fair. 800 startups wrote a letter. Sorry, 800 tech companies wrote a, a letter to the government saying they that did. they couldn't survive. But I mean, it's not, it's not possible. It, it just doesn't work. I can't see how in the end it's good for the consumer because basically... You know how it's good for me? What? If everything that Time Warner, AT&T, like whoever that big conglomerate is, puts everything together for 50 bucks a month and the data doesn't get included in my cap and I get... No, but that's worse. 
and I get CNN on their app and everything. No, and that's no literally buffering and everything. This is literally like what the web Can't could wait. have become in the old days because then you pay to be an ex walled garden. AOL was going to be that for a very, very long time and then it got regulated. So then you're going to your ISP and you're paying for one walled garden. And then you have to, if, but if you want Netflix and Hulu, you have to go to the other walled yeah, garden. Go to the happy garden. Hell no. That's terrible. Well, then go run your own cable. You guys should. The problem is America's doing it cable. the complete opposite of how the rest of the world is doing it here. That you just pay less and less and you get more speed. And ISP's job is to deliver that. How big is the Netherlands comparatively to the United States? All of Europe has faster speeds than the US. Right. We because have more it's, people because than it's the US. how many countries doing their own thing? Probably no, they're own. all regulated by the EU. Sure. So that, like, but every country has its own ISP that only right. has to deal with running the cable throughout its country. Don't, like, these, Still paid these for by the EU. Infrastructure, yeah, but like the EU is. is but the problem, the problem that you have is that the ISPs own the cabinets and nobody else can go into the cabinet. No, they own, like, there's only, I think, two or three people who have literally run cables from one yeah, end of the right. US to the other. I think it's like AT&T, Comcast, and, Comcast, and yeah. maybe Verizon, and maybe like BT. Well, that's, so that's your fundamental problem, though, is like the underlying infrastructure is all owned by them. Whereas like here in to, Europe, to it was add, all lied as dark fiber by the governments, and then they rent it off the government. That's the best way to do it. And then they light up the dark fiber over time. Amsterdam had fiber 25 years ago, and it's still dark fiber lying everywhere that they have to rent off the government. And there's so much capacity. That's the way they should have done it. But well, now they've Comcast got this problem. Comcast right now is doing capital investment of a billion dollars a year, doubling its capacity yeah, I just read every that. 18 months. Every 18 months, which is crazy. But they're also getting because so much are, money. Why do they need to Why do they need to get more money from prioritizing the traffic? You've never been to rural America. Yeah, that's true. But we you have the exact get, same problem in New Zealand. You got the unions. Right. You got to pay the unions. Right. You got to get new permits. You're going into like random, you know, Boise, Idaho with five people. This who is get where paid $300. satellite internet comes in, right? With Elon Musk's. Project uh, Loon. Yeah, and Project Loon. I think that's maybe the biggest problem is the way that we assume the internet should work is not the way it's going to work. Like the ISPs, eventually, it's very easy to see that mobile data is eventually going to be easier. Why would you lay cables in the ground when you can send shit from the sky? Maybe it's a little bit more latent, but it's pretty good. And this laser, it comes back to lasers, ironically enough. Well, it always comes back to the speed of light, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, have a, I, I get worried when I hear about these kind of things because here it's really easy to pay $30 or 30 euros a month. You get unlimited data, unlimited you everything. Want, if the US wants these ISPs to continue to invest in literally putting billions and billions of dollars into physical infrastructure. Cause if it's not cables, it's still towers. Yeah. But they need to separate concerns. That's the problem. No, the ISP, they need to generate revenue. Yeah. In no, order but to, they, they should not be monopolies. That's what you, the problem is because you've got these companies that are laying the cable and then they control the data flow on top yeah, of the cable. But and monopoly not built out of capital investment is monopoly built out of like, kind of vertical integrated like you know like but i i don't i don't see the harm in having a company who has had to lay the cables and then somebody rents that off them they should there's be- already fair access usage like they have they are not allowed to not sell their capacity and stuff okay but explain to me how many isps can you buy from on, in new york on your street four four and can they all guarantee the same level of service well they all just use verizon yeah, right. Exactly. It's all repack. It's all <laughs> exactly. because it would be too expensive for any of them to run their own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cable. And it's like in San Francisco, you and have to buy you, from one company. You literally at this point in Manhattan to like go become a new ISP. Like that's why Google stopped doing it. It's so yeah, it's insane. The last mile. Well, they're still is, doing it, but only in the in the rural areas now. The last mile is so hard. Yeah, because you have to dig up a street or. It's just expensive. It's yeah. insanely expensive. But the, the the fundamental problem was made in the first place. Right, all those years ago when they were lying that, and now that one company owns it, and that's it. Well, they paid to do it in the beginning. They yeah, put out exactly. the first billion dollars. Exactly, good exactly. for them. Yeah, that's like saying like. But okay, okay. If you're getting like, back to the heart of this, that's they like shouldn't be able arguing to about. It. That's like arguing about which you will argue about. <laughs> it's about that's like saying Apple shouldn't be able to say that they can put a you have to use our connector like patent or like license or whatever, right? Well, I mean. To be they fair, did all of the R and D. They own the pipe. <laughs> that's right. But no, I mean that's that's a much discussion. This antitrust stuff around Apple and Amazon is like Apple doesn't let you set the defaults on anything, and Microsoft ten years ago also lost a lawsuit about that. Anyway, 
it's coming back. It could be good or bad for consumers. I don't know. I fully I, disagree. I personally have no issue with it. And I think... I'd, I just don't see an environment how it doesn't become more gathering of capital at the companies who already exist. I hope so, so that they can continue to make my internet faster. No, but they're, not, they're only going to make the internet faster for the companies that they own. Cool. No, that's not good. So then you can't use Netflix, which has all the content, because you can't get that at your house. Because well, they, they won't repair with them. No, but if I want Netflix, I'll figure out how to get Netflix. We have to switch companies then, because they're deprioritizing the traffic. You can't load it because it's too slow. <laughs> I love net neutrality with you, John. <laughs> okay, on a lighter topic. But I also don't watch TV. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch I a don't lot of TV watch either. I would. But, just, I just. The thing that still frustrates me is when I tether my phone to like like everything's still too fast. Like, why don't I have blazing fast like five G LTE in my city? Why you know like there are areas of Manhattan where you still don't get cell phone coverage. Can you believe that? What is up with that though? Because it's so expensive to do everything. They it's have to crazy. Replace all the towers. They right. put all the old band stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It's just really expensive. To and you use. guys use really high frequency, so you have to put more towers in than most oh places. Oh my god, it's so dense. And then you have to use union people because you're on, <laughs> you know, and you're in Manhattan and yada yada dee. And so you're looking at like billions of dollars right, to do this right. stuff. Yeah, I don't blame them. I really don't. I don't blame them, I but I also don't think it's right. That's the thing. I feel like they should be. The hardest thing is holding them to account of a level of service, basically, right? Yeah, well, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like the consumer experience, if the consumer experience is amazing, like if it's as good as Netflix and they have good content, then who cares, right? No, but that's the thing. It's anti-competitive because then you can only get from them. The consumer experience is super good on this, but really trash on anybody else. Yeah, but it's only anti-competitive in that Netflix doesn't want to go lay its own... It doesn't want to invest that's in that. That's an instead insane of, world, instead though. Of, Netflix instead has of, to go and lay cables just to get the, the, the video to you because Comcast already owned the whole sure, network. Or there's, that's or, terrible. Or, or if you look at, but Google's this doing it This is some wall garden shit Google's right here. Google's doing it smart way. No, <laughs> this is some no, wall garden shit. It's not wall garden. It is. You're literally yes, describing you're, a wall garden. I am... I'm talking about I love this. how expensive it would be to start a car company is how expensive it is to like... But it's, it's a different thing. You're basically comparing... Starting a car company, which is a free market, you can put any car on the road because nobody owns the roads, to somebody saying, okay, well, you can only put your car on these roads because you didn't pay enough to let your cars go on those roads. Which is what they do for congestion charges. But I'm t- actually talking about how, just how capital and te- intensive it is. But like, that's a, it's irrelevant. If they're charging the consumer at the end point and they're making a lot of money from doing that, they're not, why though. do they get to make more money from prioritizing their own content? It doesn't make any sense to me because so now, they have to go if like netflix is please write into us no, on Slack. netflix's claim is often very bogus i do agree netflix they, sends they're so always much like, oh they're not they're not lighting up enough of their capacity and like artificially restricting the pipes and stuff like that that's not true some of those and like demarcation boxes and stuff at like the last mile in in cities and stuff like that are running old ass hardware that needs to be replaced that's true and it's going to cost and it's going to cost at&t Let's just say over the next five years, ten billion dollars. Your claim would only hold up if that didn't magically evaporate when Title Two came through. Like, how did suddenly all the traffic work the moment it became illegal for them to deprioritize? Everyone got, no one got better. Everyone just got went to the same standard. Well, that's because they turned off so the deprioritization. Wasn't very good, right? But I think what's actually the thing is this is still happening behind the scenes. They still have to pay these companies to peer with all of them. Well, like, this is why you have multiple peers. Right, exactly. And then when someone's congested, when Netflix is using AT&T, you switch it's like over to 60% Comcast. 60% of the internet now, right? It's crazy. Hmm? 60% of the internet is Netflix data at peak times. Project Loon is going to be very yeah. interesting if they figure it out. And they're getting there. They just launched the Mega Balloon in New Zealand. Crazy. If they can, basically, if they can give high-speed terabit internet to everyone in new zealand using balloons <laughs> then manhattan is going to have like the best internet yeah. in the world through google and facebook's doing those laser planes and they're coming along as well so okay so then tell me they, when, well, they all don't no, want to no, be no, the no, dumb no. Pipe. so tell me when they come out with um loon and they fly it over manhattan and they do terabit like internet for free and gmail is 700 percent faster if you use them <laughs> well gmail exists by the time we have internet balloons is it is that fair to at&t and comcast and verizon well right now it would be illegal for them to do that right so you're basically saying that we should compete on that alone yeah you should compete on innovation and technology not i think the thing is capital so intensive in like the capital. interesting thing 
uh, about this discussion is you're right. I think the race to the bottom is going to be that connectivity is going to cost zero dollars very soon for the consumer. So you're going to have internet from the satellite for basically free everywhere. You're going to have internet from a balloon basically for free. Your home internet connection, and they're only going to be able to compete on that over the top shit. So you know who's way behind in that stuff? All of the cable companies. Yeah. I love this discussion. Please tell us on Slack what you think about that. Uh, one other thing. Did you see how big Instagram got? It'll be really good, though, because then <laughs> all of the internet hippies like you will move to Loon, and then Boise, the, inter- uh, and then the internet will get really fast for the rest of us. <laughs> Says the guy who uses the um, the uh, phone booth across the street for internet. Sometimes. Remember, you told me you torrent on the, on the phone booth. On the phone booth? Yeah, the Link NYC booth. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, why okay. not? Why use my internet? Use theirs. Instagram is growing crazy fast. Okay. Despite you mean more people from Facebook are signing up for Instagram? <laughs> They've got more bots than ever. So uh, Instagram grew more than 100 million users in just three months. And it's just, I, like, I, don't, I don't know if there's much to say about it other than that it's really interesting that it's still growing and it's growing to be one of Facebook's biggest core products. Years on from acquisition, catching up with Messenger. A billion people using Instagram is nothing to shake a finger at. And Twitter. Twitter actually grew this quarter. How did they grow? Twitter? Yeah. They added like 20 million new users. I've noticed a lot of people saying that they would like a paid tier of Twitter that you could only filter yeah. by paid tier people. Yeah. Twitter is floating that idea as well, like I will a paid pay, option. I will pay five bucks. It would be cool if you could go on there and only talk with people who are paying. Give me 10 bucks a month for my Medium and my Twitter. Oh, yeah. Twitter just needs to acquire Medium. It feels like that was the whole play all along. Yeah, but Twitter doesn't have any money. And also, <laughs> Nobody given would how shittily that. the founders have run that company, I don't think anybody wants to let them make any more money personally. Yeah, because they're all just buying shit off each other, right? Biz is, uh, was it Biz just sold a bunch of shares? Yeah. He announced, I think if you have so many shares, you have to announce to the SEC yeah. that you're going to sell them in advance. Ugh. He's like, my personal liquidity is getting low, so I'm going to need another $22 I need to, million. Dollars. I need to cash in to like keep doing Medium. Do you want to buy Medium? Yeah. They have a paid subscription service for Medium now, though, so it's kind of there. They just need to link them up. Anyway, okay. Is that enough for this week, cars and net neutrality? <laughs> Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? I think we covered it. Q. All right, John. We did it. IRL. IRL Hangouts. In my bedroom. Lasers. <laughs> Lasers, cars, and the horrible future of the internet. All right. We're gonna. right. I think we're going to go drink beer. Marissa Mayer. Oh, my God. Her total stock that she owns right now, Yahoo stock, is worth $200 million. And her final compensation from Yahoo um, is like $100 million. Just for selling it, right? Yeah, it's like her golden parachute money. Good Lord. So she just cashed out. Like that was... It doesn't matter what she did with this whole thing. She just got rich off it. To be fair, she had, like, I still think... She did revolutionize the company, to be fair. She didn't, but she... Well, she did. She, she did. did. But she all she had to do, like... It, yeah, okay, sure. It didn't have even at all have an acquisition prospect or anything before. Right. She got it to acquireability. She cleaned it up. Okay. Yeah. She, 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 she tidied it up for sale. That was her job, <laughs> basically, right? Well, like, this guy... This guy on Gizmodo, Michael, whatever he writes, Melissa Mayer set to receive $186 million for failing because this is how corporate America works, filed under failure. And I think, screw you, dude. Like, okay, I'd like to see you be the CEO of of, um, Yahoo and get it sold out to anybody and, like, get the shareholders any money. It's not like they were a technology company or doing anything or had anything other than a bunch of a billion hacked Yahoo accounts (laughs) from the 90s. A bunch of zombie accounts and the ad tech. Like, yeah. It's all about the ad tech, baby. She did a great job. $4 billion, that means people, like, actually made money. It's called culling. Yes, the Merge, mergers and acquisitions happen. We're just not used to it in the tech space yet. Yeah, it's just slowly happening properly, actually. Okay. Do you want to go to Fire Island? Oh my Fire God, Fire Festival? Okay, go no, quickly. And then just we're done. look. I'm not even going to talk about it. It's you just a to. weird celebrity thing. You should go on the hashtag hashtag FYRE Festival. You have to a ten thousand dollar festival in the Bahamas that turned Tickets. out to not be real. Tickets, ten thousand dollars. 
ticket for it. Yeah. And they fly and they were gonna fly you there. They fly you there and they flew everybody for there and there was no secret app festival. Launch. There was a secret app launch and there was no festival there. Thousands of rich people. Terrible. Just look it up. It's it's very hard to explain. I'll put I'll put a post in the in the Slack channel in the show notes. It's just it's actually it's not absurd. that hard to explain. It sounds like basically Ja Rule invested in a company called Fire. Yeah, but they didn't which, have any money. Which was supposed to get a bunch of B-list um, like artists from the 90s who wanted to like find interesting gigs to get booked for. So you can book like Blink-182 on this yeah, thing sure. for your corporate holiday party Supposedly. or whatever if you could afford it. But it turned out they had no money. So they, they threw tried a festival. To use, well, they tried to use their own platform to, to execute... But they didn't actually set up the festival and they still flew everybody out there. That was the problem. They sold tickets. They, they sold using, tickets. Well, everybody everybody sold tickets to bankroll the thing. And they had refugee tents and they, they had like... They didn't have liquidity. Yeah, they had nothing. There's a crazy story on the New York Post. I'll post it in it's the It's pretty slate. good. Okay. We should go drink beer in the sun. Hack the planet. Hack the planet. All right, John. Bye. See you in New York. Bye.